Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. You hopefully know what that music means, folks. That's right. Welcome back to Ridiculous History. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Ben. My name is Noel. Ben, you know what stresses me out more than anything in it, the whole wide world? Is it moving? Yeah, you know it is, baby. You know it is. You're. That's right, because you're, like most people, you're someone who doesn't enjoy moving. I love moving, which I've been told is somewhat anomalous. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Ben. I thought you just liked helping other people move. I like moving my stuff. I like helping other people move when they are organized and on top of it. Now, you want to trade it, spots? What's that? Let's just trade spots. What do you mean trade like, spots? Like apartments. Oh, I really like my apartment okay. right now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sometimes I move stuff just from one room to another in my apartment, you know, and I'll say, hey, really? what if this was the bedroom instead of the living room? Interesting. It's organized chaos. Uh, and speaking of uh, chaos and organization, let's give a big shout out to our third half of Ridiculous History. Uh, the man behind the curtain, the man who organizes all this chaos into something that sounds approximately like a podcast, super producer. Mr. Casey Pegram. You know, you got me thinking I really like the idea of Ridiculous History being considered an organization, and Casey is the head. Of course Casey's the head. We need his international connects, because all of mine are illicit or Uh, illegitimate. A lot of his are not necessarily entirely above board. His life as LaBouche, as we know, is quite a shadowy existence. LaBouche is a different entity. We've established that, right? Maybe we, we, when we move internationally, can acquire uh, some new monikers, or maybe I'll pick up some of my old personas. We don't want that, honestly. You do you, Ben. Well, or, or whoever. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I, I think we're going somewhere, though, uh, somewhere interesting, because as soon as we mentioned moving, a lot of our fellow listeners probably felt their stomach drop and they got a little uh, palpitation in their heartbeat because 
studies show that most people hate moving. Yeah, it's, it's like on par with like losing a loved one in terms of the amount of uh, stress that it imparts. Yeah, and there's this nightmare if we're thinking of logistics. There's also uh, a lot of heart-wrenching emotional stuff because we invest so much meaning in these objects. And then we have to all of a sudden take these objects and evaluate uh, you know, sometimes we have to move to a smaller place or we have to move somewhere far away such that we can't take everything. And we have to think between these two things that I love and, you know, one in my left hand, one in my right hand, which one do I love more? Mm-hmm. Which one do I love less? It's which, harrowing. Which one sparks more joy? As right. Marie Kondo would say. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some, there's some sand, there's some uh, validity to that. It's also, before we get started today, I got to tell you, I, I don't know if I ever talked with you about this off-air. Housewarmings. What's your take on housewarmings? It's interesting. It's sort of like you got rid of all your stuff you didn't want, so here's some more stuff you probably are going to get rid of next go-round. So we have talked about this then. No, maybe we're just on the same page. Okay, maybe Unless Unless we're on opposite ends. No, no. I love housewarmings because of the absurdity. It's. I love that we have this thing, at least in Western culture, maybe even just in U.S. culture, where we say, okay, it's been a few weeks since you had to look at literally every possession in your life and throw some of it away. Uh, And since you just figured out how much stuff you have, I wanted to give you more stuff. As a matter of fact, for bonus points, here's a plant. I want to give you not just a gift, but a responsibility. Yeah, a homework assignment. You know, there should be housewarming registries like there are for uh, for, for marriages. That's a great idea. Because Noel. then you can get just the stuff that you actually need or maybe that you are lacking or you threw too much stuff away. And now you realize I don't have nearly enough pot holders, you know. Right, right, right. I thought I had I thought I was the emperor of pot holders. Now I am pot holderless. Got to have at least two. Yeah, yeah, that's how pots work. <laughs> So all this to say, moving uh, obviously is a lot of emotional, physical, mental uh, things wrapped up in it. And that was absolutely the case uh, in New York City for around 200 years where uh, the busiest day in the city that never sleeps wasn't around the holidays. Uh, in fact, it was May the 1st when at uh, 9 a.m. on the dot, every single person in New York City's lease uh, for their apartments expired at the same time, in a burst of genius, who whatever city planner came up with this concept. Yes, and we have the history to that. This should seem strange to you. We know that here in the U.S., on average, more than 40 million people move each year, and 80% of those moves occur kind of in the same calendrical area between April and September, but nobody has this one day anymore. No city has this one day where everything goes bananas. On May 1st at 9 a.m., as you said, for several centuries, Noel, these horses and carriages would choke the roads. You couldn't move anywhere. There were Beds, bureaus, people's furniture all around, alleys, their belongings, piles of clothes and stuff spilled into the streets. Rich, poor, uh, one neighborhood, another neighborhood. It didn't matter. We actually have a firsthand account of this from 1834 when Davy Crockett, yes, the Davy Crockett said, it seemed to me that the city was flying before some awful calamity. Which, to be fair, it was. It was frickin' moving day, and that's 
about as calamitous as it gets. Um, all this uh, from a fantastic uh, Mental Floss article by Lucas Riley, New York City's most moving tradition. Uh, uh, fan- yeah, it's, it's good. Um, fantastic uh, illustration on this article, which you can find at mentalfloss.com, uh, of, of this chaos in question. There's like a parrot flying away with his own birdcage, mattresses being thrown out of windows, and then belongings being bounced off of mattresses. The whole horse and buggy situation in question, um, you know, tables uh, coming out of windows with a woman in a, in a dress hanging from the end, a piano loaded with uh, everything from grandfather clocks to other household items being lowered down on rope. Um, obviously, it's more of a cartoonish uh, characterization of this, but it's a really, really kind of cool image to um, get a mental picture of the kind of uh, craziness that would. Can you imagine so many people living in a such a packed, densely packed city like that? It would have absolutely been bedlam. The closest I can come to a real-world experience of that would be an evacuation situation, which is totally different. Uh, Or, and this might be familiar to a lot of us listening today, moving in college dorm rooms or residencies because depending on where you went to college, you may have been in a situation where you were required to move all your junk out, you know, once per quarter or semester um, Casey, did you ever stay at dorms when you were at Georgia State, right? Yeah, I was there for a couple of years. Yeah. Like, not at Georgia State for a couple of years, but in the dorms for a couple of years. Uh, okay. Did you, uh, did you ever have to move stuff around or out, like, during the school year, or is it just once a year? Uh, just once a year. Okay. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I never look forward to moving day, certainly. And it was definitely one day, right? Yeah, it was all one day. So it was kind of, you know, you, had, you knew you had to get it all done, and it was a little stressful, all that. Casey on the case. Now imagine an entire city doing that. First things first, this seems like a terrible idea. Why on earth would you subject millions of people to this hellish experience? Well, as it turns out, there is a tale that leads us to this problem. According to citymetric.com, which has a, a great explanation of this, the Encyclopedia of New York City claims that that date the 1st of May, was chosen to link with the celebration of May Day over in England. And then others are more specific, you know, other sources, and they say that this is uh, some kind of descendant from a fair that English servants would attend to find new bosses, new employers. And then another guess is that the date was chosen as a memorial, a commemoration of sorts, rather, uh, to commemorate Dutch colonizers who set out for Manhattan on May 1st. So they didn't really have the uh, the exact cause for this nailed down, but they did have an interesting legend in the city. Yes, uh, it's a little bit of a snoozer of a legend, but we'll give it to you anyway. Um, it, the legend says that on May Day was when Henry Hudson and his Dutch crew set out for Manhattan on the Have Man. Um, that wasn't in fact true, but New Yorkers actually celebrated that voyage by going on trips every year of their own and uh, trying to settle other places themselves. Yeah, so this feels like... You know, people call it a legend, but it feels more like one of those uh, factoids that someone will spout and someone else will say, well, that sounds true. You know what I mean? Uh, Fun fact, by the way, about the word factoid, it's often misused. A factoid technically means an assumption or speculation that's reported and repeated so often that it becomes accepted as fact without actually being one. 
You know what, though? Hmm. I still like it and still going to use it. Well, it's also a living language. So right. if enough people use it, I mean, that's why peruse means two different things. Mm, it means yeah. its own opposite. So to, to me, a factoid is a little bitty fact. It's a little nugget of fact. Why don't you call it like a factito? I like that too. How about a factotum? <laughs> a factotum is, uh, I think, a little bit different. What is a factotum? It absolutely is. Casey knows. It's a book by Charles Bukowski. That's that. true. What is a factotum? Oh, a factotum is a person with many diverse activities or responsibilities. So we three are factotum, are factotums. Uh, so we have a better guess for the the cause of this uh, the cause of this catastrophic annual moving day, we think it started in New York's colonial period in the 18th century. A guy named John Pintard, who was a founder of the New York Historical Society, was writing to his daughter, and he said that the city's practice of all moving on one day is of an ancient custom, and when the city was small and inhabitants few. So it just kind of became this tradition they were locked into, but it entered into the legal world in 1820. There was a law that was passed that said, quote, every lease shall be deemed and held valid until the first day of May. And this was on the books for eight years, but even after it was repealed, people kept up with this practice. Landlords still had uh, all the leases go up on, on May, you know? Right, but isn't there also uh, the idea that it was February 1st, um, known as rent day, would be when people would be notified of the new rents for the subsequent year, uh, which would then go into effect on May 1st. So it would give them a couple of months to kind of decide whether they wanted to stay or go, if they could afford it or not. Mm -hmm. Very important distinction, too, because we're not saying that everybody in the city had to move. We're saying that anybody who was going to move in the city was going to do it on May 1st. So... It's, so it's not the whole city. It's just everyone in the city who's moving. And this meant that, like, as this practice kept going and the city kept growing, the math became precarious and intimidating. By the early 1900s, a million people would take to the streets on May 1st. That's right, one million. We pulled up, uh, you know, New York Times. Just want to take a second. I'm not blowing smoke here. The New York Times is so cool. It's so worth the subscription, in my opinion. That's not an ad for them. I'm just saying it's neat to be able to look up all these old reports from the early 1900s. So the interesting thing about this 1919 piece is that while people were organizing, while there were businesses that would just dedicate themselves to helping people move, and while people tried their best to plan ahead, it was just a matter of too much stuff and too many people. It's a fact that, you know, two items cannot occupy the same space at the same time. There just wasn't enough room for everyone to move. And we saw that despite all of the efforts, the good faith efforts of tenants, landlords, moving companies, and so on, a lot of stuff would still be damaged. Some stuff would disappear. Can you imagine how much stuff got stolen or destroyed? No, I mean, again, like you're, a lot of this, of these services are probably very ad hoc. You know, um, I think originally uh, a lot, it was a much more of a ramshackle kind of affair with like very, you know, sort of stitched together, like moving carts and horses and wagons. You know, everyone couldn't afford to hire a team to help them move. I mean, they had to just kind of do it as they were able to do it uh, with whatever means they could. 
And I think, you know, over time, by that 1919 article, things were a little bit more organized. But no, it's true, Ben. I mean, think about, you know, the rideshare economy or gig economy of today. This would have been like that, but much less regulatable, obviously. And uh, who knows if you were hiring someone who was trustworthy, you know, you would have been doing it out of desperation and likely your stuff might not have made it to where it was going or it might have ended up smashed to bits. Right. Yeah, there's that <laughs> There's that quote from that piece where they say, uh, we still don't know how much of the furniture would reach its destination as furniture and how much as firewood. Let's pause for a minute because one thing that people hate about moving is the inconvenience, but also the time they have to spend on it. You know what I mean? And you're like lugging stuff around. You have to prepare in advance. There are a hundred things you have to be aware of. And the same stuff applies to cooking. Have you ever come home after a hard day here at the podcast Minds and thought, I'm hungry, but it's just going to be such a pain to cook? Yeah. I mean, you got to go to the store. You got to make a list. You know, chances are you're going to forget like a key element when you get home. Mm. You've done all this like legwork and then you get home and start whipping up your recipe and realize that you didn't get enough ginger or whatever. Where's the rutabaga? Where is the rutabaga, Ben? That is the question. Show me the rutabaga. And I'll tell you who will show you the rutabaga along with every other ingredient you need to prepare a delicious home-cooked meal. That's HelloFresh, my friends. America's number one meal kit with easy seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered on demand right to your door. All you have to do is cook it and enjoy it. Here's what I love to tell people about HelloFresh. There are a lot of people who say, it sounds like a good idea, but I'm, I'm I, you know, I'm no uh, Gordon Ramsay. I'm no Anthony Bourdain or Julia Childs. I'm, I'm not a super chef. Well, HelloFresh makes cooking these delicious meals at home easy regardless of your comfort in the kitchen. We're talking step-by-step recipes, pre-measured ingredients, literally everything you need to make people at the dinner table say wow in just around 30 minutes. And here's the thing, even if you are a little more seasoned in the kitchen, uh, which I'd like to think that I am, HelloFresh always teaches me new tricks, how to use ingredients that I wouldn't normally um, consider, and I always find myself to be a better cook because of it. Or, if you're a complete kitchen newbie, it's a really good way to get your bearings and to feel comfortable because it really does hold your hand through every step of the way. Say goodbye to endless grocery store trips and takeout food. HelloFresh has you covered. Break out of that dinner rut with HelloFresh's 20-plus seasonal chef-curated recipes each week. There's something for everyone from family recipes to calorie-smart and vegetarian recipes and fun menu series like Hall of Fame and Kraft Burgers. One of my favorites recently were these pork poblano tacos I made that had a kiwi salsa, which I had never tried before. I had never tried it before, and long after the uh, tacos had been devoured, that salsa remained, and I kept using it for dipping or for For making other bowl kind of situations with like a grain, like a Mm -hmm. brown rice and maybe some beans, and then just add that uh, that really zesty um, kiwi salsa on top with a little bit of sour cream, and you got yourself a, a meal, my friend. So whether you are a veteran chef, whether you're relatively new to the kitchen, you're going to love HelloFresh. You can change your delivery days, your food preferences. You can skip a week whenever you want, whenever you need. Uh, But don't take our word for it. Get nine free meals with HelloFresh today by going to HelloFresh.com slash Ridiculous9 and using the code Ridiculous9. That's the number nine. That's right. Nine free meals today with HelloFresh when you 
you go to HelloFresh.com slash Ridiculous9 and use that promo code Ridiculous and the number 9. Let's jump around in time a little bit. We're going to play with chronology because we want to give you uh, we want to give you some visceral images of just how profoundly messed up and cartoonish this was. Yeah, there's a writer by the name of uh, Francis Trollope, which is a fabulous name, who um, described this scene uh, of the moving experience in 1832 as, quote, a population flying from the plague. Very much matches up with our boy Davy Crockett, uh, king of the wild frontier himself. And he would have seen some stuff out there in the frontier and in battle, and he uh, was uh, taken aback by this um, pandemonium as well. We've got some other accounts. There's a lawyer by the name of George Templeton Strong, who kept uh, a very detailed diary, um, a daily daily entries. And, and for, for this uh, particular entry, he wrote, every other house seems to be disgorging itself into, oof, that is visceral, disgorging itself into the street. All the sidewalks are lumbered with bureaus and bedsteads. Here's the thing. It wasn't this this day wasn't just relegated to folks moving out of houses. Landlords um, also took this uh, as a as a chance to tear down entire structures. So there were building supplies just like raining down from the sky. Um, There's a New York City mayor by the name of Philip Hone, who in 1839 described it as brickbats, rafters, and slates showering down in every direction. I mean, this is just like a a real scene. Now, we do have a positive side to this. In the beginning— of this May Day moving tradition, a lot of the movers were farmers who came from Long Island and they would rent out their wagons. And then later, cartmen, not related to South Park, like people who had carts in the city, would uh, rent out their carts and they would make a ton of scratch with this. And, <laughs> and it's weird because we found this quote from a guy named Isaac Leon, who had a stand at the corner of Broadway and Houston Streets. This is from BrickUnderground.com. He was writing about the action in the weeks leading up to the May moving day. And when he's writing about it, he says, check this out. During the last two weeks in April of each year, the cartmen begin to put on a few extra airs and look and act with more importance than at any other time during the year because... You need me. I'm moving your stuff. Yeah. So, oh, you were so big. You were so big and fancy in uh, August, weren't you, buddy? Wait a minute. So they 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 started off by kind of coming in just for the occasion, using like from a out little, of town. From out of town. Yeah. And then they stuck around, or like it became more of like a now we're uh, in the moving business kind of. Well, or? as the city grew in population and as the infrastructure increased, there were more opportunities for people with carts or haulers or transporters to work year round. I see. But they all came in such extreme demand, people would pay weeks' worth of wages to have someone help them move their shiffer rope. Yeah. I just, I'm finding excuses to say shiffer rope because yeah. it's such a fun word. I actually said shiffer rope last night. I was at a mutual friend of ours' house, and he was saying how he was out of firewood, and I said, well, go find yourself a shiffer rope to bust up. 
You know, make make use the firewood. Use yeah. that for firewood. Did I tell you I played Atticus Finch in high school? No. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, I bet you were good. That's very kind of you, Gregory Thanks, Peck. Man. Did you do it Peck style or did you do it Ben style? You know, uh, I'm glad there's not footage of it. <laughs> I'm sad that there's not footage of it. I wish that there had been the internet back in those days. But I was have to use my imagination. You have a bit of an Atticus Finch type uh, demeanor about you anyway. Oh, well, thank you. Thank I you, know, I know that you have a thirst for justice and uh, protecting the little people. <laughs> Thanks, man. I like to think everybody does. You know what I mean? And I think I, I think the same of you. I, I, I could see you. No, I step on little people. You step on little people? Just to get to the top mainly, you know? Oh, I, you can't get to the top without stepping on a few heads. But you're not going to be happy once you get there. I, I, you don't know that. I'm pretty sure. I don't know that. Because I haven't gotten there yet. Someone else will step on you. Well, it's I'm, just people stepping on each other forever. Yeah, and then once I get to the top, then there's a new top. Then there's a top above that. Right. Right. You guys, I'm I'm actually completely being facetious. Here. I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I think we all know. I'm a nice. I'm a nice person. You're not. You're, you're not. Um, I'm not a stepper on her. Multi level marketing type dude. No. But that being said, the four of us, you, Casey, myself, and you, dear listener, could make a ton of cash if we just were standing around in the street on May first with a cart and. This became such a big deal, such a huge expense and a headache for the good citizens of New York that people started thinking there was a conspiracy afoot. According to BoweryBoysHistory.com, by the 1860s, this custom was so cemented into the culture of New York that people started saying the car men, which were like the haulers, the van operators, uh, were working uh, with the city in a corrupt way to keep the practice going because they could increase prices and they could gouge people in the weeks before and after May 1st. <laughs> what's what's neat about this, uh, and I think this is something Gabe brought up, he said, you know, we could consider this a 19th century version of surge pricing with Uber. If you guys ever had to Get stuck of with a, a surge price on of course, an Uber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about uh, the supply versus demand, mm -hmm. and that's the thing about New York in general. Though I mean, it's like the demand is so high for everything that the prices are just absolutely exorbitant on most things. And I'm picturing this. You know, I, I love New York City, and when I was younger, I, I very much wanted to live there. But getting to go there for work a decent amount, I now realize what a uh, survival game it is living there. Like mm -hmm. it's just you know, even just to like go to IKEA and then you got to cart it back on the subway. You know. Likely, if you live on like a walk up, you got to cart it up right. some stairs. I mean, it's just really not, not to mention if it's you know winter and and the weather's gross. Um, it really is kind of like a you know uh, an endurance match of a life. You know, when you live True. there, and you really do kind of adopt a much more of a um, a hustle kind of mentality just to like go through your day to day life. Um, and it does create some very resilient and uh, resourceful human people that are New Yorkers, you know, and I, and I love it very much. But this is kind of the extreme case uh, study for that, right? Yeah, yeah. And I agree with you totally. It is true that we both travel to New York fairly often. And I don't know about you, man, but my New York personality is different from my Atlanta personality. My New York personality walks a little faster is more of a uh, get-stuff-done kind of dude because you have to be. And 
in this survival game, in this endurance run, and I love the way you describe that, on moving day on May 1st in New York, a transporter, a cartman or a carman could charge any price they wanted. A lot of people try to control price gouging, but the movers didn't pay much attention to those laws and there was no no real way to enforce them, right? So the New York Times tried to publish, you know, the legal price schedule. This is really interesting. This is interesting. I mean, it's literally just like a recommendation, right? I mean, you know, it's okay, sure, it's legal, but it's clearly not actually being enforced by any, you know— arm of the law. I mean, they're publishing in the paper saying literally to individuals, hey, be smart, get a contract with your mover that enforces these these prices. But that was a little bit of a stretch for people to expect as well because of the duress under which all of these, you know, things had to take place and mm-hmm. you had to just hustle and get it done, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Because the New York Times says, okay, Talk to your mover, get a contract in advance. It's always a smart thing to try to do. They say pay $2 for a load on a one-horse truck within two miles, 50 cents for every mile after that, 50 cents to load and unload on the first floor, and 25 cents for each additional floor, each additional flight of stairs. The problem was that an unscrupulous mover could say, okay, yeah, that's fine. And then someone else could come in, a desperate customer, and say, hey, I need to move. It's May 1st. It's moving day. I'll give you $3 or I'll give you $5. And then, boom, your mover's gone. What Are you, you going to spend more money to take that person to court? No, because you need to move all of your crap today. There's no way. There's no legal recourse. But the kids really liked it because they, you know, it was such chaos that the kids got to be out of school. Um, <laughs> right. And, you know, I, if I was a parent in the situation, I wouldn't just let my kid run wild. I would ha- expect a little bit of assistance <laughs> wrapping, you know, some lightweight knickknacks and such. But at the very least, they were out of school for uh, several weeks, um, and they were likely expected to help. But I bet you there was also some kind of kids running wild in the streets, you know, those the feral kids of, of New York. Oh, yes, of course. Like like in Newsies. <laughs> Just like that. There's actually a poem um, uh, from this time. This is from a really cool article on brickunderground.com that they cite um, that references moving day. It's called A May Day Madrigal. And this is from the perspective of a child. The child says, I want to see the carpets torn in patches from the floor. I want to see the statuettes thrown through the plate glass door. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to imagine, right? It makes sense. There's this, uh, you know, you could call it bedlam, but it's such a stimulating, exciting time. You know what I mean? You see things upended. You're going to a new place. You maybe see uh, your neighbors and your parents acting in a way that you, with which you were unfamiliar up to that point. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? 
Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Noel, have you ever wanted to wake up to something better? Oh, boy, have I ever been. <laughs> well, uh, this is where Avalon Waterways comes in. How does waking up to a medieval castle, an ancient cathedral, a rolling vineyard, or a charming cobblestone village sound to you? Well, here on Ridiculous History, that's right up our street, Ben, our charming cobblestone street. So I can say it sounds pretty good to me. You're absolutely right, Noel. Avalon Waterways has redefined cruising in so many different ways. They've got the uh, widest opening windows. They've got beds that face the passing scenery. So wherever you go, you have a front row seat to the views of the world. And not only do you wake up in the best staterooms in the entirety of the business, but you're waking up in a new port every day, right in the heart of these amazing historic cities. Ah, Ben, sign me up. Open your eyes to a better view and a different kind of cruising. One with smaller ships, bigger experiences, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. So there's this sort of, uh, there's this holiday aspect of it for the kids. But as you know, if you are listening to this in New York or if you have ever lived in New York, this tradition is no longer celebrated. Sure, some people still move on May 1st, but it's not a citywide oh day. Instead, uh, people move when their individual leases expire. And it took us a long time to get there because there's so much money at stake. There is a pretty good argument that the politicians, maybe even some of the same politicians who were publicly against moving day on May 1st, Maybe they were, uh, I don't want to say in bed with, but maybe they were having some other conversations with movers and getting a little kickback. It's quite possible. Possibly also with shakers. Mm -hmm. Possibly also with shakers, uh, the religious offshoot who ran 
the Lower East Side. <laughs> is that true, Ben? No. Oh, no, that's on. not true. But uh, but it is true that it would take a lot for this practice to end because we know how people are when it comes to tradition. Our species will will continue the strangest, uh, most unhelpful traditions until we are literally forced to stop. And what did it take for May 1st moving day to come to an end in New York? Yes, it would take something very significant in the form of World War One, where a lot of uh, the builders um, who would be, you know, working to create more supply for the housing demand in the city were sent off to the front lines. So in 1919, you had 22,000 of the city's 1 million apartments um, sitting vacant. That is in comparison to 53,000 three years before that. So because the demand uh, was so high and the supply so low, folks were going to pay whatever it took to just stay where they were because they didn't know if they'd find something better or if it would just be like they might not even find anything at all. Yeah, there there may be no room at the end. So these folks were really at the mercy of their landlords. No matter how high their rent got, they would stay because they felt like they had no alternative, you know? And that's a different kind of housing crisis altogether, right? Because that then all of a sudden the power is completely in the hand of the landlords and it wasn't until new, you know, legislation was passed eventually limiting how much you could increase the rent legally each year yeah. that that was sort of, you know, taken care of. And then you had things like rent control, et cetera. But at this point, it was literally the landlord's dis- choice. Whim. Whim to gouge uh, these relatively helpless tenants. Yeah, there's a book uh, called The Great Rent Wars by an author named Robert M. Fogelson. And in The Great Rent Wars, we hear the tale of a woman from the Bronx in 1919 speaking with a court clerk. She has five kids with her, and she is saying that her rent was raised six times in two years. And she had been to more than 200 places in a week. And everywhere she looked, she found someone had beaten her to it. So people had crises where landlords would also lie to them. The New York Tribune reported also in 1919 that thousands of people moved, you know, May 1st, and then they found the apartments that they had already, you know, put a deposit on and were ready to rent. Those apartments had not been vacated, and people who were supposed to be kicked out of their apartments just refused to move. They said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go. There's nowhere for me to go. You can't put me out in the cold. And so moving day meets its end partially because of the subway. Now, the subway in New York, if you've never been, is amazing. I know people who live in New York love to hate it. I'm not saying it's perfect. But if you live in a city that does not have a subway, you quickly learn to appreciate it, right? Like, I, I travel by subway pretty often when I'm up in, in town. Yeah, I mean, we here in Atlanta have a subway system that takes you comparatively far, 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 far fewer places than the subway system in New York does. And while the subway system in New York does leave something to be desired and that, like, on the weekends, there's always construction and the lines are diverted and there's sometimes a little bit of a chaotic kind of element to it, it's pretty darn efficient um, and can— gets you just about anywhere you want to go uh, eventually. And I've always found it uh, gets you there quicker than catching a cab most of the time, for sure. Oh, for sure, definitely. Because, you know, people don't take uh, tractor-trailer 
contents or cargo on the subway. No. It's just a people mover, uh, or it should be. So this subway changes everything for the city because now people don't have to rent cars or carriages. Now they can, uh, now they can move a lot of stuff on their own. I mean, they still have to get, you know, help with big furniture, bedsteads and shiffer robes and so on. But they can also move further out. They're no longer restricted maybe to the, the paltry choices of neighborhoods they had before. So east side landlords said that they had more vacant apartments than they had ever had. And rents were cheaper and cheaper and more and more people were paying consistently. Fast forward to the 1920s, New Yorkers kind of rebel against moving day as one point, one demand in a larger fight for tenants' rights. And this is like, this is the same year that New York passes the emergency rent laws that, you know, I, you alluded to earlier, Noel, where we ha we see something like rent control that says thou shalt not increase rent over a certain amount per year. It's very true. Um, so there you have it, the uh, the ultimate end of this chaotic uh, day of the year in New York City. Um, but it's interesting, actually, this was not the only city that this kind of thing took place in. You had Quebec in Canada that uh, passed a moving day in the mid-18th century as well, where landowners had been hiring folks to work on their land and then sending them off into the world, you know, to find new employment um, as the winter was approaching. Ouch. Yeah, so as we said, this was a practice that existed other cities. Uh, hopefully, it does not exist in a city today, or at least not one in which you live, fellow listener. New York's May 1st moving day officially ends in 1945. And it's kind of fuzzy, but here's what happens, essentially. The New York Times runs a headline that says, Housing Shortage Erases Moving Day. And with that, the millions of residents of the Big Apple began to move year-round. There were some things leading up to that. You know, uh, some people wanted to have three different designated moving days throughout the year to reduce congestion. But in the end, they just said, hey, Let's get rid of this tradition. Let's let's be a little smarter about it. And that is why if you move to New York or if you live in New York and move somewhere, you don't have to wait till May 1st. So be thankful and uh, let us know if you live in the Big Apple. Uh, always down to hang out and say hi. I am at least. Yeah. Oh, yeah. me too. Yeah, for sure. Actually, uh, I don't remember if I told you this, but I had the uh, good fortune of, of meeting up with one of our listeners who's a fantastic painter. Genie, um, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, when I was in New York this last time. And, she is um, impressive. Yeah. Really, really impressive work. If anyone out there wants to check out her work, it is Junyi, J-U-N-Y-I underscore Liu, L-I-U underscore art on Instagram. Really, really cool photorealistic uh, oil paintings, paints. oil yeah. paintings, very large scale stuff. Uh, and a, a lovely human person in fan of the show and we had we had a nice meeting um so yeah we're always down with that hopefully we'll be doing some live shows in the not too distant future and we'll keep you posted on that here on the show and on our facebook group ridiculous historians where you can join the conversation there at your leisure you can also find us on instagram uh, and twitter at ridiculous history or you know you can check us out individually uh, as human people where i am on instagram exclusively at how now noel brown and i am on twitter 
at Ben Bullen HSW. Uh, tune into my Instagram at Ben Bullen, where you will find me, no spoilers, uh, doing some travel abroad in, mm, wow, wait, whoa, sooner than I thought. So tune in. Uh, in the meantime, of course, as always, thanks to our super producer, Casey Pegram. Thanks to Gabe Luzier. Thanks to Alex Williams, who composed that banging track at the beginning and end of every show. Thanks to Christopher Asiotis here in spirit, Jonathan Strickland, the devious quizster, and thanks to you, uh, Ben, for being a friend and a confidant and traveling down that road and back again, Golden Girl style, with me. All right. Thank you, Noel. I got to move. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.